Welcome to the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers in social care. I'm Pierre Raftier Burton. And I'm Wendy Adams. Today on the podcast, we've got Ayan Anderson, who is the supported housing manager working for the Afro-Caribbean Community Initiative. The organisation supports Afro-Caribbean individuals with mental health issues, and Ayan is the registered manager for Atabel House, a supported living service, and he also manages a number of community services and an outreach team. So prior to his current role, he worked as a consultant and he worked in learning and development. During this episode, uh, Ayan talks about members, and by members he means the people that his organisation supports. So looking forward to talking to Ian today, so on with the show. So welcome to the Care Exchange. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's really great to see you. Um, so we heard in the introduction there that um, you work for an organisation called, and I'll make sure I get this right, the African Caribbean Community Initiative, which is ACCI. Is that how you normally say it? That's correct. Excellent. That's how we normally say um, it. And that's an, an organisation that supports people from an Afro-Caribbean background. Um, what are the sort of benefits of having a service that provides support to individuals from a specific ethnic background? Um, there are lots of benefits. Um, being a bespoke service, we understand the you know the community we're working with. There's also the element of the community trust us. You know, we on, on, unfortunately it's a situation whereby. Nine out of 10 times, once family members or individuals have actually come to us, they've actually been around the reeking a lot of the time beforehand, right. didn't understand what was happening, um, you know, and we're just able to just work with them and explain things, break things down um, and and really just sort of regurgitate things in, in a language that they understand, um, especially, you know, working in the field of mental health. It's, a, you know, it can be... Um, very confusing sometimes there's there's so much information to digest and take in if you're not a, a professional you, you you probably wouldn't even understand most of it and the reality is nine out of ten people are not going to say they understand because they don't want to be seen as stupid or ignorant so they sort of say yes in agreement when they haven't got the faintest idea what's actually transpiring so that's a little gap i mean there's lots of lots of things that's just one as an example also um whether you like it or not, there are just specific things that relate, you know, specifically to various communities. Um, and whether you like it or not, um, you know, there are a, a lot of um, black in individuals are seen as loud and, you know, threatening and big. And that's from the media and the police and all kinds of different other avenues. And so that's the perception um, a lot of the time. Very negative. Um, and it's a shame really, but that's just some of the realities of life. So it's about being in a position to sort of challenge those stereotypes, but challenge them in, in, in the forums that they need to be challenged, but in a particular way, and not everybody can do that. It does, you know, it does take certain people to come and arbitrate. And one of the things that ACCI has been able to do is 
we are there in all the forums you know we you know we work with the police we work with housing we work with the mental health teams you know they know who we are and after nearly 40 years being in existence we're also the go-to people to come to when there are crises or there or interventions needed specifically you know aimed at the afro-caribbean community yeah i can see that that makes complete sense are there any disadvantages Yes, um, the disadvantages can be, you know, um, if you're not familiar with the service and aware of what we do and what we've done and actually what we offer, it can be the sort of, um, oh, well, it's a black organisation, so we don't need to take them serious or, you know, do they actually know as much as what they should do? The stereotypes still exist and are still right. there. Um, but, but, but we love them. We meet them head on. You know, we challenge them on, and you know, one of our aims is to break down the barriers. You know, um, yes, we're about offering a, 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 a very good service to the people we're supporting. Yes, we're about supporting the community, but we're also about breaking down barriers. Mm. And you can only do that from within. Yeah. You've talked about the benefits for the people you support. Um, do we, are most of your staff then also from an African Caribbean background? And most of them are, yes. Yeah, and I'm not solely, say, but that, yes, right. but mostly they are. Yeah, and how does that work uh, in terms um, of it's, it's it's well, quite easily, really, because as you know, there'll be certain there's various legislation that allows you to recruit specifically if you've got a specific need for a specific client group, which we which we do. Um, so. And for us, it's very much about um, if you take the units that I'm managing, for example, we're dealing with people with acute mental health issues, okay? And part of being able to work with them just on a daily basis is about them seeing people who look like them, who they're aware of them, who are able to sort of speak to them in another language. You know, there is times when I'm speaking to a lot of the clients when I will break it Jamaican patois because they understand patois. I know it sounds silly and it's a simple thing, but it's an important thing. Also, just in terms of communication as well, there are times when, um, you know, I mean, I've been to various situations that have, you know, I suppose been kicking off, if you want to call it that, at the time. And I think the biggest disadvantage to the individual who was in the middle of the crisis was um, not being understood by the people around them trying to help them yeah. um you know that individual's not interpreting those individuals as trying to help them when they are but it's about that interpretation and it's about that vision you've also got stereotypes both sides so you know there are those individuals that you know, weary and scared of the police or scared of anybody in a suit. And I know it's, you know, but it really does exist. It really is that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about just understanding those different dynamics because once you're able to do that, then the whole arbitration thing comes into example. Like, for instance, you know, sitting down, going with somebody to, to a meeting about their housing need, who understands them, but also is able to articulate what's needed to the professionals. It's a win-win for both sides. It makes it a lot easier and a lot simpler for the person, you know, trying to do their job and support them from that side. And it's a, a lot for, you know, the member, client, what we call them members. It's a lot for the member actually being listened to, being understood and actually achieving what it is they want to achieve. And how do you recruit? How does that happen? You know, if you... We have them. Yeah, well, we... we like all organisations, we have an application form that people um, fill in, they send in. We then have a, obviously a short list yeah. um, 
scenario. Then once we've shortlisted, we interview. When you've been doing it for a long time, um, it helps us to hopefully choose some of the best people. You can put whatever you like on an application form, anything you like. You know, the sky's blue, green, yellow, pink with spots. Um, you know, there are times we'll look at application forms and the first thing we think is, oh, wow, can't wait to interview this person. This person's going to be fabulous. They sit in front of you and you think you didn't write your application form. Do you know what I mean? Just because of the, you know, and then there are others that come and actually might not have as much in the way of paper and qualifications, but their passion and the drive. And it's about just trying to find the best people. I mean, you, you'll know we're in a market right now where everybody's short on staff, everybody's struggling to recruit. Um, and, you know, even when you recruit, there's that little short window where you get to actually, you know, find out the people you have recruited. And for me, you know, um, it hasn't been great no, um, in recent times, um, but that's a challenge right across health and social care. Do you know what I mean? So if you're recruiting for some, so um, most social care providers will say, oh, it's really difficult to recruit and the pool of people that they're recruiting from is quite small. But obviously because you are, um, specifically aiming to recruit people from the same ethnic background as the people as the people you're supporting, you have an even smaller pool. Is that yeah? You- but but I will say we will interview anybody. Right. Okay. Absolutely anybody. No 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 no. We'll interview yeah. absolutely anybody. Um. You see, for us, it's about that communication. It's about the individual. Like I said, we have got a couple of stuff we were not. Caribbean and that's just because they're just absolutely fantastic staff regardless of who they're working with you know what I mean and that's just about but that's but those qualities are far and sort of few between yeah and I suppose it's also about your you talked a lot about community that you're in a very sort of kind of in an area where people know who you are and and therefore recruiting some of those people who are perhaps already aware of your of of the communities that you have well yeah I mean one of the things that you've got to bear in mind is our niche is we're aimed at the community we're aimed at that is our niche there's you know thousands and thousands and thousands of providers and one of the first questions whether it's commissioning whether it's social whoever it's like well what's your you know what's your usp well our usp is this yeah this is (laughs) yeah well yeah yeah a lot of people are very very um scared to talk about race or scared to talk about dynamics people tend to oh we don't really want to talk about this or talk about that or we don't want to go there and i think it's really important yeah i agree it's so important so you have staff working in more than one location is that right oh my god yes yeah Um, you have we have various staff teams obviously so you know, there's an the outreach team, there's the housing support team based in the units, there's the day centres teams, but we meet on a regular basis. We have so we have our individual team meetings, but then we also have group meetings. Um, we have what's known as care plan every Friday, where we actually discuss every department and every individual in every department that we're supporting. So it keeps that link alive. Also, there are some of the outreach staff or some of the staff who work in the day say oh who work in the well-being hub sorry um will work in the units on the weekend 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And also we work across. So if we're doing a trip somewhere or we're going out, staff will, you know, we'll mix staff from from, from different departments. Um, very fluid, very fluid. I'm interested in how you um, create that sense of a team where you've got people in your team from different cultures. And the reason I'm asking that is because certainly in, in some areas of the country, and I guess particularly where I'm from up in the in the northeast, we're having lots of discussions about international recruitment and how we make people feel part of a team where there may be two or three people who've come from a different culture to everybody else who who works in that organisation. And I was interested in what you were saying, because you almost are the other way around and that the, the majority of your staff <laughs> yeah. are at African mm -hmm. Caribbean and then you've got a few others. Um, how do you bridge that gap and, and create that feeling of, of teamwork? I can tell you it starts from the top. It starts from the top. And, I, and, 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 I, and I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, our chief exec is well known for saying, I am nobody and I am nobody special. I'm here to offer a service and do what I do. Well, if a chief exec and she's nobody special, then I'm afraid nobody else is anything special either. So, you know, do not be standing on any airs and graces around here because we don't, you know, that's not what we're about. Um, we're, we're the totally the opposite end of the spectrum. And the, one of the things that we have done in ACCI, it's a fundamental basic embedded into everything we do, is we really consider our organization a family. And that's kind of, you know, that that is the basis of everything we do. You know, not only are we representing families and individuals from families we consider ourselves a family mm -hmm. and that's what we try to instill not only in the workforce but in but in the in within the people we're working with and because it's very important because you know there are different areas people work in different areas but i'm mental health is what we do that's our niche that's our thing that's what we do and you know with that comes a lot of complicated individuals who are suffering from various things and you know, a, a very important factor in being able to work with some of the people we work with is that trust. They have to have that trust. Yeah. You know, you've got to earn their trust um, because, and, and that's the difference between when they're not very well and they're, somebody's trying to help them, they're kicking off and it's going off. You're the voice that says, hold on, it's okay. Nobody's here to hurt you. Nobody's here to hurt you. They actually want to help. And that's the voice they're going to listen to because that's the voice they trust. Yeah. And, and that takes time and it's hard, but that's the basics. And that sort of leads me on to, to sort of the other thing that I was thinking about, which is about your own workforce well-being, not just the well-being of the people you provide care and support to, but your actual workforce. Before I came to Skills for Care, my background was mental health, and it can be a very challenging um, emotional, emotionally as a worker. It can be a very challenging area to work in. And I was wondering what you what you do to support your staff with their well-being. You've alluded to being part of a family um, and there's lots. that family feeling, but is there yeah. other stuff that you do yeah. as well? Well, there's there's lots of things, and 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 I'm telling you now, um, we can't do the work we do without the staff, and we have to make sure 
that the staff are well. And we have to make sure that the staff know the support is there and feel the support is there when things do get airy and things do get hairy and you know and all, all the things and i'm not just just i'm not just saying this for the sake of saying it but team meetings important it's an important time for people to share it's an important time for people to air supervision when you're having one-to-one with stuff it's very important also we you know if i use myself in the, as an example i have an open door policy it's very important some people say that and it, it isn't the case but mine it is the case and it has to be the case because depending on where an individual is at a particular moment in time can really affect the support that they're giving or they're offering it's also about you as the person leading the team and managing the team being observant being in tune to your staff you know I know my staff. You could say to me, an individual said a sentence, I could tell you or not whether or not they did or they didn't. And it's it's just being that intuitive. It's being that tuned in to the staff around you. It's also being able to preempt things as well. Um, one of the things that we're very lucky, I say very lucky, but, but it is lucky, is that a lot of the people we support, we've been supporting them for years and years and years and years and years. So we know them. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know what um Joe Bloggs is going to be like when they return from hospital. I know what Joe Bloggs is like when they're becoming unwell. I you, do you know what I mean? It's about being able to 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 say, okay, this is happening. We know where this is going. Okay. We need to plan for this and actually do plan for it. Um, because nine out of ten times, if you plan for it, it doesn't have to be as bad as it could be. Yeah. Or you don't have to reach the crisis that you do do. I mean, you know, I could give you some some examples where, um, unfortunately, intervention should have been made by external agencies and organisations, and it wasn't. But luckily for me, because I plan for every eventuality, including them not actually doing what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it, damage limitation. Yeah, and it's that, and that that really just comes from experience, and and comes from knowing your staff, knowing the people you're working with, and you really do have to be intuitive and in tune. Yeah, and is some of that planning when you're planning um, this kind of staff welfare? Is that absolutely? Yeah, I mean, listen, we do everything that everybody else does. Just, just, just to say and tick the boxes. So obviously, it's about the training, it's about the personal development. But, but for instance, now, any personal development I'm working on with an individual member of staff is going to be specifically bespoke to them. Um, you know, people need support in different areas. People excel in different areas. So it's about it's about knowing your team. It's about knowing who needs what where. Right. And nine out of 10 times, you know, we get it right. You know, there's always that 1%, you know, that sometimes doesn't work, but guess what? That doesn't matter. Try something else. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, it's, it's, it's never exhausted. Okay. You just keep trying and you try to get to a place or you try to get to a state where it's important. I mean, I remember when COVID first started and it was right at the beginning where, you know, information was very, you know, disjointed and not disjointed. You know, I unfortunately lost a couple of members of staff, you know, absolutely fantastic members of staff who, you know, I wanted to cry when they left. And the only reason why they left was they were just so scared about, you know, um, contracting anything on bringing it back to their families. You know, we we didn't know what we know now. You know, it, it was just really that 
that yeah. beginning at the beginning. And, and I, you know, I wish I knew a lot of what I knew now then, do you know what I mean? But hey, that's the way it goes. And, you know, you, you can't, it's very hard to replace that. Do you know what I mean? It's very hard to replace somebody who's done 18 years of service. It's very hard. You know, it's very hard to replace somebody who's given you 10 years of service. It's hard. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you do when you carry on. But I'm just, I'm still saying that that is a wealth of experience and knowledge that, you know, yeah, you're not. leave you quite challenging. It's very hard. How is it different managing a team of staff who are supporting people for a very long time? Is that different? Because I think that brings different challenges. It is different, doesn't it? it? No, it is different because it brings its own challenges. Like, for instance, you've got to make sure people don't get stale. You've got to make sure people don't get complacent. You've got to make sure, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's everything brings with it its own set of, yeah and that and like i said and that's down to me and you know and you see the signs very very quickly sometimes you know what i mean um and sometimes that can be so subtle you know i mean i remember having a, a conversation a couple of years ago with an individual and i was just like you know i, I, I called the member of staff in i sat them down and i said you know what's going on with you and they're like nothing 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 i'm like no 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 listen in the time you've worked with me you are meticulous. You don't make mistakes like that. That's I expect Tom Dick carried it to me, but not you. And I know it sounds silly, just something that simple is a real sort of immediate indicator that something's wrong. And sometimes it can be something slight, sometimes it can be something more deeper. Um, you know, but it's about you've got to be observant and you've got to, you know, yeah. stay in touch. Yeah. But no, it brings with it its own set of challenges yeah because i think there would be some managers sitting listening to this today who would be thinking oh that that must be an ideal yeah to be able to support somebody for years and actually i i, I, yeah. I know from my experience that it it has its benefits because you do get to know people really well yeah but you've got to be really careful not to get into that oh we've already tried that and it didn't yeah. work um, and, and that can be an issue yeah that can be an issue. I've also had issues where I've had to change individuals, change who people were key working. And, you know, when I changed who they were key working, I had a member of staff, not my dog, can I come, can I have a word? Yes. I'm really angry that you've, you know, taken blah, blah, blah away from me. I've worked with them for a long time. Can you tell me why? Yes, I can. Because you're going on like blah, 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 is your daughter or your son. Okay. They're not. Yeah. All right. Keep and can I just say, while you are wonderful and do a very good job, okay, there are eight people here, not one. So there's the whole, yeah. do you know what I mean? You can go the opposite way. Yeah. You can go the opposite way. And obviously, you know, they don't mean, and the, it's just that that relationship that's built up and all this. But I can't, I need that same passion and love for every single body in here, not just one individual. So yeah, you you, you most definitely do get your challenges. Yeah, I can imagine. And you talked a little bit about learning and development. Obviously your background is learning and development. Uh, yes. So do you use some of those skills, some of the things that you learn? All with- the time. Yeah. It's embedded in what we do. Um, I'm very pleased actually because um, whether I liked it or not, I was given the job as the training manager for the organisation anyway. So I I sort out all the training. So whether it's safeguarding all the main um, sort of training and it's embedded in everything we do, because the thing is, it's not just about going and attending a training day and going through. It's about actually 
watching it in practice. You know, my, my favourite sentence is going to be, is that what you learned in safeguarding? All right. Okay. Convince me. Remind me. What what happened in relation to that? You know what I mean? It's about it's testing it. It's it's, it's revisiting it. It's re-looking at it. Um, you've got to be very very careful, especially when you're doing what we call the five mainers. You know, the five mainers, as you know, is going to be safeguarding, alpha safety, fire. You know the the ones that you have to do. Everybody's got to do them, regardless of you know what department you're working in. You have to do them every two years. Do you know what I mean? And when you've been doing them. You know, every two years for the last 15 years, you kind of can be a little bit, you know, complacent as if you know it. And that's why I'm always, we're always having to make sure we revisit that and test it. Right. Okay. You say, I mean, on the training days, I give them how I always do anyway, and always trying to throw them a few, you know, curveballs just to sort of keep them on the toes. But it really is about revisiting that because people can become complacent. You know what I mean? And it's important that they don't. Yeah. So yeah, longevity has its challenges. And make, making sure, I suppose, making sure that I don't know. I don't know how you deliver those. That's training, but it, it is not the same every time because if you've been there, for no, three, always different. You yeah. got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it fresh. You got to bring new dynamics. Yeah. The thing is, you know, if you are knowledgeable about safeguarding, right? We know, you know, staff would be able to sit here and regurgitate, baby, you know, baby P, Kyrie, Shaq, they can give you all the bits of valve, they can, you know, lamin report, they can give you all the kits. So you have to be able to, to, to sort of mix it up. So it's like, well, actually, you knew that. Did you know this? Yeah. Actually, this is more recent. Actually, this is that. This is that. So it is. It's about that. But it's, it's going to be very challenging. And it's just about um, sometimes thinking what is training that it, doesn't necessarily need to be a PowerPoint and, and you know, being able to, you know, quote something. It, it can be so many different things. I, and I often reflect on the best, you know, I worked in social care for 20-odd years and the best bit of fire training I ever had, and I had a lot, because obviously it's one of those things you have to do all the time, you know, and I work, you know, so I, but the best bit of fire training I, I did was we had somebody come in I think he was like an ex-fireman and he put on an episode of 40 Towers, which was um, when they had a fire in the hotel. And we were making it, right. making it watch it. And then when it finished, he said, right, tell me all the things that they did wrong. Uh, and, you know, we had a great fun as a, as a team. You know, we were obviously laughed through the episode, you know, and then was able to list all these things that went wrong. And then he was like, and how would you make sure that it didn't happen in your service? Um, and this is probably, I don't know, 20 years ago that I did that, that training. And I still remember it to this day because it was so different. And I think sometimes you just got to, as you say, with, with training, particularly with staff who have been there again and again, and you don't want them to do the same e-learning training they've done 10 times because yeah. they, just, they just, they don't take it in. They don't use it. No. Something. Can, can I echo your sentiments? Yeah. I'll give you a joke. <clears throat> I've been teaching for years. So I did my 7307 teaching qualification many, many years ago. And then there came a point where everybody was told, regardless of what your whatever qualification you've got, you've got to go and do a petals or a detour. Yeah. Tutors like me were absolutely disgusted. How dare they? We've been teaching for all this time and they want us to go and do a petals or a detours. They're taking the mic. Obviously, we had no choice. So we went and done it. So I went off with, you know, 30, 40 other people. 
we did, it was a residential at Faircroft College in Birmingham for four days. We actually stepped in doing this pedals for the teaching yeah, yeah, course. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. I never learned so much in my life. I've been teaching for years and just people's ideas and people's, I'm like, damn, I'm stealing that. Damn, I'm stealing that. People, remember, it's, it's, it's all teachers. You know, people have been teaching for a long time, but you'd be surprised what people have created or came up with or have done. I learned so much. And, and, and it actually, it actually really caused me to be a bit disgusted in myself. Do you know what I mean? Because I thought, God, I've joined the pompous crew. I know it sounds really silly, but it, I really learned a lot. I absolutely, you know, I took away, and a lot of us from that course are still friends now. I mean, that's about, what, 15 years ago? Um, there's nothing wrong with revisiting things and keeping things fresh. And somebody will always come up with something you haven't thought of or you haven't done. And it really changed my perspective, especially training-wise and teaching-wise. Um, and I'm glad they made everybody go back and read. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, Requalify. No, I'm serious. I'm really, I mean, because, you know, I'm telling you straight, I was one of the pompous ones. I really was. I was like, please. And they, and they intend to teach me what? And yeah. tell me I got a shock of my life. Yeah. I got a shock of my life. And it's one of those little things. Every so often you go through life and you'll experience those little humbling, you know, experiences. And, and, and that was one of my humbling experiences. So absolutely, I recommend, you know, I echo your sentiments exactly. You know, you do have to revisit things and look at things. And, you know, you'd be surprised what people can come up with, you know. I mean, one of the things that staff are, have, have always said, which they're always surprised with, you always ask us what we think, you always ask us what we do. I said, yeah, because you're on the ground floor, you're doing it, okay? You know, you know, every, you, you, you'd you be surprised what people have come up with. Uh, I always tell new staff when they come, some of the best interventions and some of the newest interventions we have have come from staff. It's come from ideas that staff have had, it's come from suggestions staff have had, and, you know, never hesitate to sort of say if you think something can be done better or suggest another way of doing it or that because guess what it's it's development it's continuous it's absolutely continuous you know um you know i remember having a conversation just the other day and you'll well you'll know but even myself as a manager, as a trainer, you know, I've got to make sure my PDR's up to date. You know, they want to know what have I done recently? What's up, you know, what have I done up to date? And it's good. It's very, it, it, it's good. You should be challenged and, you know, it should be questioned, you know, are, how fresh are you? How up to date are you? Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? So everybody's kept on their toes to make sure that the maximum best service, no matter where you are, no matter who you're giving a service to, it's the best. Yeah. So we always have our timed care slot in every episode. Um, what's your most time-saving tip? I think I've got two, and yeah. they're going to probably sound oh, really, really basic and probably really silly, but it's just the truth. My number one tip, organise your office. I know it might sound really silly and really basic, Managers like myself, we have a lot of paperwork, a lot of things that we have to catalogue, right? I mean, if, if I could turn my camera around, I'd show you my bookshelves. I've got everything from, from care packages to, you know, there's just a lot of paperwork. Now, my deputy loves me, right? You know, 
I'm married. I don't mean we're in a relationship or anything. But, you know, she does. That's because she can ring me. I can be anywhere at one of the four sites doing anything. And she can say, Ian, have you got a copy of the thingy? And I can say, in my office, third shelf down, walk along. There's a folder named blah, blah, blah. It will be there. And I know that might sound to you. Now, can I just say, other managers have come to my office in the organisation and gone back and said, right, we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Only because it really does help, okay? My days are non-stop. I am between four sites. I have got, I'll have, I might have six issues at one, six at another, six at another. In between that, I'm trying to sort out training. In between that, I'm doing supervision in between that. So it's about that organisation. And when you are organised, everything else just seems put in place. That's that's, that's my number one tip. Okay, good my stuff. Second, Great. Great my second tip, my second tip is every day, do yourself a things to do list, right? I'm pretty sure if you're an operations manager or just just any manager, right? It's the best practice you can have. You cannot remember everything, okay? You've got to prioritize your time, right? Some things are important, some things are not as important, some things are less important, but everything still needs to be done, and the best ways to write it down every day i've got uh, um like that also it allows you to go back and like i tick off everything i've done i put a cross by the things i haven't i know i need to carry them over to the next day it's really important also as well some of the things that aren't necessarily important to you are important to other people mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So don't um, don't just cross them off as a, a as a not important. Um, so for me, it's really it, it really is about just 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 having that timetable. Do you know what I mean? I'm able to sit here with you in this time slot because I arranged my morning. Okay, everything slotted in. You know, at two thirty, I got a member of staff coming for, for for a supervision. At four o'clock, I got a meeting up. I think it's I I just. Just yeah. have to be organised. Um, and, and can I just say as well, and it, it's more than diary organised. It's about really literally things to do. Um, and and it will seriously help you. What a satisfying feeling when you're crossing them off as well. Yes, off your things to absolutely. Do <laughs> Excellent. Absolutely. I've got one final question. Um, so I want you to imagine that you're in a lift on the 10th floor going down with a group of registered managers and before everyone gets down to the bottom, so you've got a relatively short amount of time, what would be your key message to leave them with? Key message? I think my key message would be always remember for the majority of us, we're working in a service delivery organisation. So we're here to offer a service. We're here to offer support. Sometimes we can get caught up in our titles and our positions and our whatever. Um, and it just, it's not, it, it, it's not healthy. You know, remember, remember why you're here. Remember what it is your job is. Because it's also your job to remind your staff of what that is. And they're going to follow the leader. 
they're going to take their lead from you. So it's very important what you do and how you do what you do. Because the very first thing anyone will say, well, what do you do? So it really is. And, you know, I I have to deal with lots of different organisations, lots of different individuals. And there are days when I just want to take a hammer and hit myself in the head because I just think to myself, hold on a minute. Don't we both want the same thing? Don't we both want the best for this person? Aren't we supposed to be working together to get the best of this all? But that individual so caught up in who they are and what they're talking and what it is that they do, it overshadows why they're there and things like that just drive me crazy. So that would be mine. It would just be at all times, remember why you are doing what you're doing and who you're doing it for. Yeah. Excellent. That's yeah, that. grounding, isn't it? It's that kind of grounding yourself. Every yeah. It's reminding yourself, well, what, what, why do I get out in the morning? What, What's my purpose, isn't it? So I think it's a really good message. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Uh, we've, we've talked about so many different things. It's been really, really great and just ha- lovely to have you on the podcast. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. Bye. So great conversation we had with Ian there. It was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah. It was really interesting um, when we were asking him about um you know what what's the benefits of having this um service that provides very specific to support to uh individuals from a very ethnic back specific ethnic background and his answers around that around you know really providing that under having a really good understanding of those individuals background and how important it was to them and how he then recruits staff to match that you know very person-centered isn't it yeah absolutely yeah, obviously with, um, you know, just in society, we're talking lots more about diverse uh, workforce. And obviously he was talking a lot about how he almost has to reverse. He has this uh, workforce from Africa and being background and then some staff were not. And ha- making sure that everybody feels welcome was, you know, seemed to be really important to him. And he talked a lot about that family feel and making sure that his service you know, everybody felt that they were supported and, and their well-being was really supported. It was really interesting. I think with that, we got the um, Skills for Care quite recently actually um, released a new resource called Confidence with Difference. Um, And it kind of supports managers around those maybe difficult conversation they're having and really thinking about uh, embracing that diverse workforce. Uh, so the Confidence with Difference resource is actually uh, a number of films. So it's four films in total. And they're sort of kind of three, four minutes long. Um, and then there's some questions. You would show those films to your staff. And then there's some questions about, you know, individual staff's own practices. And just making sure that that staff feel that they um, they work in a diverse um, uh, organisation and they that 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 everybody within that workforce are 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 supported um i suppose it's you know it's really interesting and i think it's it's one of those areas that we we might all feel a bit uncomfortable sometimes thinking i don't i don't know how to ch- tackle that so having some resources to to help you open up those conversations uh in, in a team meeting or in a training session i think it's really useful i don't know what you think yeah he just he, he explained it so well and I, I really did feel that he's done such a good job of 
integrating everybody into a cohesive team, which I think regardless of the makeup of the team, you know, that's what you're aiming to, you're aiming to do. Yeah, exactly. And we're all going to, you know, we all work with lots of different types of people. It's maybe not just about races, about, you know, you know, everybody's different and trying to find a way of, of working together to make sure that everybody feels included is really important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was really interested in what he was talking about when he was talking about learning and development and about the importance of checking out with people about whether they can put what they've learned on training programs into practice because I can remember years ago you know when working in services and CQC were only you know came in and what they were interested in is checking that people had done it you know had done the training and actually what's important is not that people have attended a particular training but actually can they put that into practice can they relate that to what they do um on a day-to-day basis and i think he explained that really well and it made me think about our guide to developing um to developing your staff that we've got and this is a resource that i think is really popular amongst managers because it talks about what might be the core and mandatory training um it talks about different ways to develop your staff so they're often you know, that learning and development doesn't need to be by people attending a training course, whether that's e-learning or whether that's face-to-face. There are lots of different ways that people can can learn and develop their, their skills and knowledge. But it also, in that um, resource, talks about how you can evaluate effectiveness. And there's actually a, an evaluation template in that resource that managers could use to help people think about what did I learn and how did I put that into practice? And that was exactly what Aeon was talking about when he was talking about he as a manager really challenges people to think about making those those connections. And I think if you don't already do that, using that template and that resource would be a really good starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's so easy just to attend a training course and you think, oh, that's a tick, you know, it goes on a matrix and, and no more is thought about it. But actually challenging staff to think about how are they going to use that training in their everyday work? You know, how, how is that training going to benefit the people that uh, you're supporting? And that's ultimately, as he said, it's, as he was ending, uh, you know, that's ultimately why we're all here. You know, we're, we're there to support the, the, the people that, that need support. And, you know, by doing some training, really, it's about quality. You, are, you want to improve quality. Um, and it's not just that tick box. So really making that training really effective. Yeah, it's a good guide. And I know in, in the past I've spoken to managers about particularly that also about what what's that core training, what's minimum, who actually requires you to do that, how often should you be refresh training, all those things are included as well. Yeah, great, great training. So that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you very much for, join, for joining us. Um, you can access all the resources that we spoke about today on the Skills for Care website and in our show notes. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. And thanks very much for today. Bye. Bye.